Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 63 of Unmasked. I am your host, Neil Getzlow. As always, thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I truly appreciate all my faithful listeners and all the new listeners that are now coming along on this journey with me. And if you are new here, I encourage you to scroll through your podcast feed, catch up on some of the older episodes because we really have had some, some awesome interviews over the past 62 episodes. And today is no exception. But before we get into today's interview, I do have to give a shout out to my awesome wife, Amy. Now, even though, look, I'm, I'm not saying this just to just to kiss up to her because she really honestly does not listen to the show, not because she doesn't want to, but because she's got no memory, no memory left on her iPhone. And so it's almost impossible for her to download and listen to podcasts. And she's just, just not very technology savvy with a computer. So she rarely gets to listen to the show, unfortunately. But I will say uh, we just celebrated 11 years of marriage on Friday, May 19th. And honestly, the, the past three years, right, that's that's truly been that's truly been the time we've been married, right? Because that's when we put God in the center of our relationship. He God's power of forgiveness changed our lives. It changed our marriage. It changed everything. And um, yeah, I just uh, it's just it's so hard to believe how the difference in our marriage as it stands today versus where it was just three years and a few months ago. Like it's just it's hard to put into words because it truly is a blessing. And it's just like Proverbs 18 says, he who finds a wife finds a treasure and obtains favor from the Lord. And there's no doubt I received favor from the Lord uh, when when I married Amy, even though I didn't know it at the time, uh, but I certainly do now. And, you know, she is without question a daughter of God. And I am just so incredibly blessed to be married to her. So if you know Amy in real life, uh, let her know that she might want to pop in for, for this particular episode. All right, let's get on to today's interview because this really is a is a great interview today. It's so encouraged um, in being able to talk to Pastor Gail Krog. Um, he's the co-founder of Spiritual Care Consultants up in Michigan, and Gail brings over 20 years of experience as a chaplain delivering Christian maturity across all denominations. He's also the host of the Healing Begins podcast, and he just wrote a book, which we're going to talk about at length in this interview, God Moments, Amazing Encounters with the Divine in Everyday Life. And I literally have been thinking about this interview since uh, I talked to Gail a few weeks ago. He was he was my God moment. There's a brief story in the book that we get into. It's actually right in the introduction. Uh, and it's, it's a story about Gail praying in the Lowe's parking lot with a Lowe's employee simply because he said yes to having her help him load his car uh, with stuff that he bought instead of saying, nah, I've got it. And like how many times I think about that, how many times have I done that? Someone says, hey, need a hand with that. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. And I just go mindlessly on through the rest of my day with my eyes to focus on myself and not being ready and not being open for those God moments to happen. I just like, I, I kick myself because I feel like I've missed so many of those moments because I've been too focused on myself. And so Gail's message is so, so good. 
And I am just so blessed to be able to to share this episode with you today. I hope you enjoy it. Episode 63 of Unmasked, Unmasking the Journey of Pastor Gail Krog and God Moments. Pastor Gail, thank you so much for coming on the Unmasked podcast this week. Uh, This is definitely a God moment that that God has put us together to talk. So I'm excited to finally get a chance to uh, connect. Well, Neil, thanks for having me on your pro- your program because I read your book too. It's amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, yeah, I- I'm excited to get into this conversation and and um, and talk about your book um, and, and kind of what you do um, in the in, you know with ministry. But before we do that, I just want to why don't you take a minute just to introduce yourself to everybody. Well, uh, my name is Pastor Gail Crock. Now, depending on where you uh, run into me at. I have many different names. So if I am in Honduras, they call me a uh, man of fire. Well, that's a long story. Uh, after a God moment in a mountain church happened to me. Okay. Uh, they just call me Pastor Gale. I'm the executive director of Spiritual Care Consultants of West Michigan, which is a healing ministry attached directly to a doctor's office. And I have a team of 30 people. I have eight staff, and we see children and families all day long, and we do it all for free. Well, at no cost, I should say. Um, I raise all the finances for that. Uh, sure. through, and, and our ministry is funded uh, 98% through businesses, business funding, not through, not through churches. Just about 2% is churches. The rest is all business. And so I've uh, been married over 31 years. I have two kids, a son, TJ, who is in Virginia in Hampton, VA, as a clinical psychologist. And my daughter's a writing pair pro at Kellogg Community College. Her name is April. And uh, I founded the ministry here with my partner, who is a doctor, uh, 17 years ago. It was me in a chair in a corner of his break room. There was no spiritual care. There was no money. There was no healing process. All that has developed over the past 17 years. And now we have a team of 30, and we're in two other countries. We're in Honduras and Costa Rica. So the short of it is I'm the executive director and um, responsible for overseeing patient care, but also responsible for fund development. And then I just wrote a book in my spare time. Well, yeah. So let, let's talk about this book. Uh, it's called God Moments, Amazing Encounters with the Divine in Everyday Life. And because and I because I do want to hear that story about um, Man of Fire, because that sounds interesting. But uh, before, <laughs> before we get into that, though, I mean, what what motivated you to write the book? Well, you know, throughout my whole life, I've had amazing experiences with God. It doesn't matter where I'm at, whether I'm on the airplane, whether I'm in a hospital, whether I'm in Walmart, uh, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I've always been one to say, God, show me what you can do. Lord, I, I just, okay, how do I explain it? When I came back to the Lord in 1984, one of the things I said to the Lord is, if I'm going to serve you, I want to see what I see in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. I want to, because you know, their miracles didn't happen in the synagogue. Their miracles happened in, out in the world. Sure. As they were just going about their daily lives. So I've been one who's been a little bit of a risk taker. If, if I feel God wants me to pray for someone or do something, 
I might just step out and do it and try it just to see how it goes. Yeah. Sometimes you, you know, and I've always wanted to see Jesus said, greater things will I do because you, because greater things will you do because I go to the Father. And so I didn't want to write the book at first because you're always talking in the first person. I saw this or I did that. And that, that sounds kind of self-serving, but then the Lord reminded me, hey, those are my stories, not your stories. Amen. And then I walked into work one day and my secretary, who's a bit prophetic, said, when are you going to write that book, Gail? And I'm like, oh, here it is again. So writing a, writing a book's a lot of work. So on September 24, on my birthday last year, I got myself a program on my computer called Talk and Type. And I began to dictate these stories. And I said, Lord, what stories do you want in the book? Bring them back to my, I got them all from here. You know, I didn't have files to go back and look. They're all from memory. So, so Lord, help me to recall stories, times I've met you, times I've encountered other people. Help me to remember, because what the Lord put on my heart is he wanted his stories told because he wants that next generation to know he's alive, know he's real. It's one thing to know him here. It's another thing to know him here. Absolutely. And it's an another thing to encounter him. So uh, let me ask you, uh, back up just a second. So you had mentioned, so was it 84? You said when he came back to the Lord, mm -hmm. did you have a, so did you, um, like, did you grow up spiritual and then step, you know, kind of have a falling away or like, how did, how would you describe your, you know, sort of your faith walk and getting, so, finding uh, Jesus? so I grew up, I grew up Wesleyan. Okay. And my grandma, my grandma was Pilgrim Holiness. So my grandma was funny. She told my sister, if you're going to the beach with that bathing suit, it better have arms and legs on it. So I kind of found that funny. So God called me at a young age. Uh, like he started calling me at age seven. And at first I thought that was really cool. But then when I got older, I felt like God called the wrong person. Like, why would God want me? Who was I? And so I had all these insecurities when I was younger. And so when I got up around the teenage years, the reason I ran from God wasn't because I didn't love him. It was more because I didn't think I could do what he was asking. And I really felt he had the wrong person. So I was trying to get away. But of course, you know, I had a grandmother with a big, thick Bible and a rocking chair who did nothing but pray for me. And she saw me take that detour. And she was after me. And you read the book, The, mm. the Bright Land, and about my grandma. But grandma was after me to get me to come back to my calling. And finally, I had to yield to the Lord and say, I'm sick of running. It wasn't that I wanted to not live for God. I really felt that if he's going to call someone, there was someone much more qualified than me. Sure. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, that no completely makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's just like, and I, I appreciate, I have, a, I bring a lot of people onto the show that, that obviously have most people generally have a faith walk that is longer than mine. Mine is still so new and still just barely, you know, still learning how to walk um, with this new heart. And so I just, I, you know, I think it's encouraging to hear stories of people who have been able to 
walk it out over the course of, you know, many, many years. Uh, Cause I know it's not, I know it's not easy. And to have that patience and persistence is, um, is, is definitely a, 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 the hand of God. Well, the, one of the reasons too, he had me write the book. He wants more people to experience God moments. <clears throat> so in other words, part of this is to bring people back to Christ and to introduce them to Christ. But the other part of this is people don't realize it. I'm nothing special. You can have God moments like I do. And part of this is to equip people to go out and to touch people wherever they're at, to allow them to have God moments with other people. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So how, in your mind, how do you define a God moment? Well, I've defined it really good in the first chapter of the book, but uh, in the introduction, but I want to say this, um, have you ever been really down and discouraged and out of nowhere, somebody called you on the telephone and said, you know what? God laid you on my heart today. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I got to give you this message. And you went, man, how did he know that I needed that today? Yeah. That's a God moment. And I definitely, I notice those a lot more now than I used to and appreciate them a lot more now. Or you might just be minding your business in a coffee shop and someone might feel led to walk up to you and talk to you and give you a, a message that they feel laid on their heart for you and, without knowing you. And you're like, well, how did they know I needed that? So for me, God moments don't have to be some big lightning in the sky. In fact, the God moments that I have had that are really more impactful are the ones that come to me that are quite, I would call them short, but yet very significant. And I needed to hear it at that time. You know, and that's, it reminds me of a quote. I'm not going to try to quote this quote. A friend of mine gave me, um, I shared it in episode 59. So as you're, if you go back and listen to it, everybody, but Basically, the, the essence was like we get like we get so focused and driven with ambition when God really wants us just to kind of be in his presence. And the, the way I took it was like sometimes because, again, as a, as a new believer, right, you've got all this. I'm on fire and I want to be like I want to heal the world like I can do this. But but what God really wants, to your point, is like to be really like to the pe to your immediate surroundings mm -hmm. right like if you just looked for those moments right in front of you like we would have more impact than i think we could ever imagine well i got a good example of this this just happened the other day i was going to horrocks now battle creek has a brand new horrocks in the mall i mean it's what huge. is that horrocks i don't know what is that a grocery it's, chain or? it's like a grocery chain that has all fresh foods, okay. All, all, all kind of free coffee. I mean, just it's really nice. Cool. And then they they have a place in the back where you can sit down and have your coffee, or have a piece of pizza, or go get your groceries. So, and there was a piano sitting in the corner. So, my wife had gone to a funeral that day, and I decided to go to Horrocks to have me a cup of coffee. So I'm sitting in the back, and these four young people walk up to the piano. And they begin to play uh, some praise music. 
And they began to sing praises to God. And I could feel the presence of the Lord. And I walked up and said hi to them. And one of them goes, hey, I recognize you. And said he had seen me before. And we were having a moment there. And then I decided, as they were singing, that I sat down, sip on my coffee, and relax. Well, as I'm scanning Horrocks, I see this elderly lady with a walker just trying to get across the store. And she looks like she's in terrible pain. And the Lord said, there's your opportunity. You're going to take it. So I got up and I walked over. I said, ma'am, I know you don't know me. Are you in a lot of pain right now? And she goes, I'm in a lot of pain. I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. So I asked permission to put my hand on her shoulder. I began to pray. And she felt God begin to release her from the pain in her body. Hmm. And then she said, oh, by the way, I need to find the bathroom. Can you help me with that? So I helped her find the bathroom. And then I'm walking toward the front of the store. And there's a guy pushing a cart. And I could tell he was in a lot of pain. So I asked him the same question. And he said, yes, I am. I said, can I pray for you? And first he goes, he was going to tell me no. But then he stopped and he goes, Yes, I'll take prayer. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pray, right? And then, uh, see, I believe in the hit and run method. Believe, pray, and leave. Don't worry about results. Believe, pray, and leave. I love that. And I, I got to say, okay, I don't mean to be too dramatic here, but I think you and me coming together is a God moment for me. And, and I'll explain why. Because so... Like I didn't make it to the introduction of your book without already like starting to well up with tears because <laughs> so you, you talk about, I'll let you tell a story about a woman that you prayed for in Lowe's who was helping you. And like, it was so simple because I've been, how many times have I been in that situation where there is an opportunity and I don't take it. And I pray this all the time. I ask God. Or I miss it. I miss it. I, and I ask God all the time, help me, help me not be selfish and help me turn my eyes and my heart out in looking for people. But I was just talking about this in, in my small group, um, Bible study group. I, I feel so selfish sometimes because you know, you wake up, you're full of energy and then your day gets going. The next thing you know, it's nine o'clock at night and I've done nothing but think about myself the entire day. Have you ever thought about the fact that you got the most amazing thing in the world living on the inside of you? Oh, heck yeah, I do. I think about that all the time. So the Horrock story is not done. So I go back to the piano. Now the young people have gathered a crowd. They got a woman and her three kids. So I walked up to the lady listening and she had her glass of wine in her hand. And I said, would you like a prayer? And she said, you can pray for my sister, but I'm not going to tell you what to pray for. I said, okay. <laughs> I began to pray and the Holy Spirit directed the prayer and I look up and she's crying. She's crying. And then the people at the piano invite the three kids to come up around the piano, young. And they lead her three kids to the Lord in Orox, in the store. And that lady, after I got done praying for her, she goes, can I give you a hug? And I said, sure, you can give me a hug. She gave me a hug. I don't know who she is. Got a glass of wine in her hand. And I left, I left there that day baffled at God's goodness. And you know what? If I had said, if I didn't take that first step, that elderly lady that needed me to pray with her, 
that that was what opened it all up. And I'm going to tell you, time I missed the God moment. This taught me a lesson I'll never forget. So this is when I was young. I was driving home one night, and God said to me, I want you to go visit so-and-so that comes to church every Sunday. I said, why? He sits in church every Sunday. Why me? And God says, you need to visit him. It was urgent. And I'm like, I'm not going to visit him. That old boy sits in the front row of church every Sunday, hears the gospel, listens to the preacher. If he hasn't heard it by now, he'll never hear it. Two days later on the way home, there are red lights around his house. He was on the tractor with his niece, had, had a massive coronary and died. Mm. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. The next time you tell me I'm going to listen, I'm so sorry. Because I know what? I knew what that guy was doing behind the scenes. I knew his life wasn't right. But I was arguing with God, you see. I thought all the reasons why, why would, I, why would he want me to go visit him? I mean, come on, God. And yet, if God can use a donkey, he can use me. You know, Balaam's donkey in the Old yeah. Testament. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I'd freak out if a donkey started talking to me anyway. But uh, <laughs> um, so it's like we, we say we want to change the world. But all we do is sitting, sit in our own little comfort zone. Enjoy our privacy, enjoy our food, enjoy our drink, drive our cars, and care nothing. Brother, there's a world out there not going to go to heaven. And they're all around. And yeah. guess what? Opportunity for God moment? They're there. All, they're there. I would... I had one this afternoon and just, and I know if we can equip an army of people to do this, we can have impact like you never saw that you could ever imagine. And it's simple. It, it, it Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. And, and it's like, I, I, I do care, right? I, I do care. I do see people out there and I, and I do care, but you know, like I said, sometimes it's just like, <laughs> We we get too comfortable, and then we get too cut up caught up in our own business, and we're not out there being being that ambassador for God and looking for those moments and and being in tune to that. And I tell you what, I will give major uh, props to my wife Amy because she's a she's a hairdresser, and she even though she she's doesn't a counselor, she she yeah even though she doesn't think she does a lot. <laughs> almost daily she will come home and tell me about a mm. client she's talking to mm. and she worked in god somehow like i just I, that is like one of my most favorite things about her and um so anyways i is just i just i need that boldness to um you know to uh to find those moments too you know the bible says every man is given a measure of faith the more you use the measure you have, the more is measured back to you. Yeah. God wants you to use what you have now, even though you might think it's small. But he could break something that's fall, small and feed 5,000 with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. All I've done is taken the little measure he gave me and begin to use it. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, so your book, yeah, I, we, we just got through the introduction and I told you, you already have me in tears just getting through the introduction. Um, and, and so what I, what I love about this book though, is like, like you can just, it's, it's individual stories, right? So you don't, you could pick on, pick it up, just open somewhere in the book and you got a story there that's going to encourage you. And I love that. So I'm just, but I'm curious for you, did you have any, um, have any favorite moments, favorite stories in that book that you enjoyed sharing? Cause I've got a couple that I'll give you. Um, but I want to hear your favorites. Well, if you can pick one or two, the one I thought I was going to get fired from the hospital. The little 120-pound girl that I prayed for who uh, who uh, fell over on the ground. And then her two big uncles that were strong thought they could lift her off the floor. But they found that their niece was stuck to the floor and they couldn't get her off the floor. And her healing and her father, grandfather's healing impacted 50 people. And out of that time, and they're a big Catholic family, people began to drive for, from Detroit to the medical center in Kalamazoo to come see me for prayer. Mm. And my boss was a nun. And she said, well, obviously you have a gift and you may pray for them as long as you don't receive any money. So her healing just exploded an open door before me that, that was an incredible opportunity to minister to, for pe to people for the next five years because of two healings that mm. were witnessed. By the way, one guy freaked out and ran out of the, the waiting room because he couldn't take it because the girl that got healed had lupus and Renault's disease. I mean, she was screaming for 20 minutes, the fire of God. She could feel this fire. She described it. I sanitized the story a little bit for the book because it's kind of a radical healing in a, in a surgery waiting room at a hospital, sure. but God so transformed her and it was obvious it was God. Um, so I will, I will say my, um, the story that I really appreciated the most was the power of prayer. Uh, can you, can you talk about that one? And that, cause I think it's especially important given that this episode's going to come out in May, May. Tell me about what, what oh, that, about that. Sorry. Um, power prayers where you had, um, a young lady who, um, was suicidal and that you, you, she had, she had a lot of demons and angels. Oh, yeah. around her. And yeah. I just, I love that story. Cause I do. And I do think mental health is so important for people. And it, it, and because I suffered from a lot of anxiety and depression, you know, all my adult life. Now I was never suicidal necessarily, but, um, I tried all kinds of ways and it wasn't until I started turning to God asking for the help. That's when, you know, I finally had the breakthroughs breakthroughs to get rid of that. Well, that's a scary story. I'll tell yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so one, one evening I'm on my Facebook is open and I get a text. Our message. Pastor Gail, my husband, my ex-husband committed suicide six years ago or something like that. Is he in heaven or hell? And I texted her back and I said, um, I'm not answering this over Facebook. 
if you want to talk about this subject, you have to actually call me and come into the center and sit down and talk with me. So I didn't hear nothing for a couple of weeks. And then one morning I am getting ready, getting in my car and my phone rings and it's her husband. Got to take a drink. Yeah. Her husband said, Hey, Gail, can you come to the emergency room right away? Because my wife has demons all around her bed. And she said, you'll know what to do. And I went, all right. And on the way to the hospital, I said, God, what happened? And he said, she tried to kill herself. So when I rocked up into the emergency room, she's all glassy eyes. Like, I don't know how long I really have. And I said, did you try to kill yourself? And she said, I did. And I'm sorry, I was pretty blunt. I just said, repent of your sin. And I prayed with her and she repented. I said, are the demons here? And she said, yes. I said, I'm going I'm to say another prayer. And I prayed and God replaced the demons with angels. Hmm. There was an angel by the door with black hair, with a sword, with a jeweled handle guarding. And there was an angel behind me about seven foot tall with a rainbow crown. And then there was an angel on the other side of the bed, seven foot tall, and they were bending over and they were shining uh, glory, the light of heaven on her. I believe they were trying to give healing because what she OD'd on was clonopin and methadone. And that combination will either make your brain dead or kill you. That's a bad combination of drugs. So um, now let me back the story up. So she wrote a really nice suicide note. Don't worry about me. I'm in heaven with Jesus now. I've killed myself. I'm in heaven with Jesus. You don't have to worry about me no more. And she wrote a really nice suicide note and set it down. And then she took a bunch of pills and OD'd. She said her heart stopped at the house. And the minute it did, she wasn't in heaven. She was in hell. Mm-hmm. And she could smell sulfur, hear the demons laugh, or they were going, we got her now, we got her now. And, and so she was freaking out because she said, I didn't think I was getting out of there. Then at the hospital, they revived her. And that's where I was called to come in and, and talk with her. And so because of the drug combination, these drugs will shut down your brain stem. So your brain won't tell your body to breathe. So they had to put her on a ventilator. So the Lord said to me, if you come in every day, she's in intensive care. Put your hand right here. I'll heal her. See, up to this point, I didn't know everything that was going on in the supernatural. And her, her husband goes, well, if God told you that, I'm going to be there with you. So for the next five days, I come in and I lay my hand on her head. Man, I could feel my ears getting really hot for some reason. So. What she told me after she got off the ventilator is every time I came in, the three same angels were with me. The one with black hair, the one with the rainbow crown, the other one. And she said, what would happen? The one with the rainbow crown would actually lay his hand on your back. And all the energy and power from him went into you and went into my head through your hand. And her husband said, every time he did that, Everything, all her bells and whistles, all of the machines went normal for five hours. Mm. And so she totally recovered, and they put her on no psychotropics. She totally recovered, 
and then died about seven years later of natural causes. Um, she made a full recovery. Uh, the demons did try to, to torment her again a little bit, but she got through that. But we call it, we, we actually got a professional painting done of this. There is a professional painting done of this uh, that hangs in a flower shop in Hastings, Michigan. Wow. Uh, so to me, that was the power of prayer. I mean, God's mercy. Now, I want to I give a caveat note to this. If you're watching this and you've had somebody commit suicide, I'm not saying that everybody that commits suicide is in hell. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, Jesus works with people, I believe, individually based on what they were going through, based on were they in the right mind, you know, and he's the good shepherd. So I don't want someone to think, well, I don't feel very much hope from your story. Yeah. Because some people had people commit suicide and they were successful. So the Lord will take everybody individually based on their circumstances, based on their frame of mind. And so we know that Jesus is the good shepherd. And so I just wanted to make that caveat, that note there. Sure. Um, and, and the thing that interested me the most about that story was, you know, was the spirit and, and demon activity around there. And like myself, like I, you know, this is still sort of new to me in, in trying to understand it all. And um, I, I can't say that I've ever seen anything, but I have definitely felt a couple times where I feel there's some other presence that's mm -hmm. either holding me back or pushing me forward. And, uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm just curious, like, do you experience that often? And like, how does it manifest itself for you? Let's go back to scripture. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 14, angels come to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. There will be times in my life where I feel like the enemy is trying to oppress me, or he's trying to drag me backwards, or he, or he uh, gets me in a really negative thought pattern. Because, you know, uh, the, in Spanish, the word for devil is diablos, but it has another meaning. It means to whisper. The enemy will come around and whisper his suggestions. Uh, we pick them up as negative thoughts, right? And so there have been times where I have felt the enemy try to pull me backwards or try to discourage me or depress me. Now, do I believe that depression, anxiety, fear are human emotions? Absolutely. But when they get really bad and people kill themselves because of those emotions, I believe there's tormenting spirits behind those things. And as you know, reading my book, the supernatural invaded my life as a young age. I didn't pray for that. And so, um, and then I've had times and I've had it in the in my office here when dealing with clients where all of a sudden I feel on my right or my left-hand side is a presence of an angel. Like I really feel a strong presence of the Lord on my left or my right-hand side. When I feel that, I always ask one question. Jesus, is there something I'm not seeing? Hmm. What do you want, Jesus? If you send an angel to be by me, what's the reason? And so I've had, um, I've had people in my office see angels. So one of them said one time, this is funny. 
So he goes, you got an angel in the right-hand corner of your room. And he's covered in gold. And she goes, uh-huh. She's talking to her. I can't see him. And then she says, well, he says he's the angel that does miracles. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. The angel told her to quit talking to him and talk to Jesus. Hmm. The angel said, don't talk to me. Talk to Jesus. Now I thought, there's a true angel. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Telling him to talk to Jesus, not to me. But some of these yeah. people that can see these things have been through tremendous trauma or have been really hurt or violated when they were young. And so there's a sensitivity around the whole spirit realm. So, um, yes, I have felt the presence of evil. I felt the presence of the Lord. And I've had times where I felt no presence, neither. And it seemed like the land was dry. And I, all I wanted was a drink of water. So you have all of that. But we don't walk by, by sight. We don't walk by how we feel. We walk by faith. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Jesus says, right? Like, blessed are those that, that believe in me, but haven't seen me. Correct. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and I've been a study of the Bible for years. I think I'm, I'm on my 22nd time reading through the Bible. And people might say, wow, that's a lot. Well, I'm not impressed because the more <laughs> I read the Bible, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's a deep, yeah. it goes on forever, you know? No, that's, that's the thing I, I, I love about getting into the Bible. And so I'm on, this is my fourth trip through it. Um, nice. But I'm still like, it's still at a, such a, I'm just still trying to understand, like, just, I'm still at a surface level, right? I'm, and like, there's, um, you know, there's so much more that to, to go into, which is like, it'll, will never be, um, but we'll probably never have that thirst quenched. It's um, a lifetime endeavor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Lifetime. Um. So, be before I let you go today, I did want to ask one thing. I know, kind of going back to um, when we first connected a couple of weeks ago, when we we're talking about, I want to talk about um, the issue of pornography that that you've seen, yeah. um, in, in the people that you're ministering to, and I, and I think your wife is that what you said is ministering to. Um, a large group of no, no, uh, one of my clients. Oh, okay, gotcha. one of my clients has a group of over 2,000 women That's it. whose okay. husbands are into pornography. Yeah, I mean, and when I heard that, it's just like because I mean, it's that's hard, right? Pornography is a pandemic right now. Yeah, not only do you have men in it, not only do you have pastors in it, many. But now you got children. And the pandemic didn't help with that because it forced them to get on the computer. And some of them discovered it just by being on the computer. So sure. for me, when you deal with the healing of pornography, you got to go back to the root to where it came in at. You got to get healing for that root. But also, once they open the door to that and all the other sexual sins that go with it, there is a chemical part of. Uh, of pornography too with the endorphins and all that where we need jesus to heal people yeah but but the biggest thing i'm finding when someone's on pornography i ask them a question do you really want to get off it what's the answer 
Well, do you, well, the answer is if you want to get off it, we need to burn your house down. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, what, no, wait, I'm going to talk about that, burning your house down. Yeah. That's what God did to you. He burnt your house down. I mean, he oh, uh, yeah. all uncovered and everything was done. That's what had to happen, though. I mean, there's and, no, and, there's no and other unless way. Unless there's the honesty and transparency, how are you going to get free? You can't. And I think that is the, that, and I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that's, that's important. And um, especially, um, oftentimes, I think we treat the the addiction like the the habit, whatever it is. We treat the symptom, right? We treat the symptom, but we don't go back and treat what is actually causing that. That's right. And as a result, the person never really gets free. Yeah, it's a cycle. It is. It's an ebb and it's a flow. I'm free. I'm not. I'm free. I'm not. And it's just like TV today. You never know what's going to flash on that stupid TV in front of you. I mean, <laughs> no. you might think you're watching a perfectly good movie and bam. You know, I mean, I had that. I've had that happen before. Man, change the channel. That's crap. You know, and sorry about that word, but. Yeah, no, uh, sorry. So you have to do, you've got to go back to the root and you got to get free. You've got to um, identify the lies that you're believing about yourself and about others and write them into truth and you have to renew your mind and change the way you think so you need the healing and you need the reformation of new neural pathways in your brain and that's what we do as spiritual care we have the healing part and we have 20 new pathways that we help people put into practice based on scripture yeah, yeah. and a three-year follow-up process because Getting free isn't always easy, and sometimes it's a little messy. Yeah, it is, and that that's that's probably a that's a hard one for me because you know what 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 Jesus did to me was broke me free and clean like in one swoop. It was he ripped the bandaid off all at once, all at once. So, it, but I know that's not the case because I've been you know, been blessed that men have approached me asking for help and they're, you know, they have these long walks with Christ, but they cannot get free from that evil. There's a demon that's a part of that too. Yeah, there has to be. There is. There's a spirit. See, but the big thing is you got to take the legal right for the enemy to be their way. You know, it says in Genesis, God says to Cain, he said, sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you, but you must master it. Cain did not master it. Cain gave in to his anger and his bitterness, and then he killed Abel. Yeah. You got to take away the legal right. And the, the hardest person is to get uh, another person who's so motivated where they say, I don't want this a part of my life no more. I'm shutting off the avenues. I'm shutting it down. And I pray for me. I want to be free. You know, that attitude of wanting to be free, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, then God comes and he does the work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how, I mean, that's how it's going to be, right? Like I can't, there's not, I can only do so much and help show him. And, but ultimately God's going to be the one that's going to come in and, and, and make the, make that uh, happen. You know, and I'm hoping as people read God moments, that through reading the book, they'll have a God moment. 
mm-hmm. that these stories will touch change. I've got, I have a friend that's a doctor, a medical doctor. He texted me. He said, I just finished reading your book the other day. I did it as my devotional book for a month. I took a story a day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he did. You know, like you said, you could, you know, or if you have a friend that's sick, you could send it to them. Or if you have a friend that's discouraged, um, Amazon.com, I sent you a link so you can put it in the notes. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you liked it, Neil. I, yeah, I loved your book. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And um, yeah, I'll definitely put a link to where people can check it out uh, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, it is, it's just, your book is extremely encouraging and it's, it's really, it's, it's motivating for me because again, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to have these big giant things that we're doing to make a godly impact in the world. It's, it's the smaller things that actually probably then you add them up. That's where it's going to make a difference. And well, how I look at it is that, you know what a timeline is, right? Yeah. Your life is going along on this timeline and then something happens and it changes your life. Yeah. If we could look yeah. back over the course of a person's life, how many times did the timeline change? Because God met us or we had a God moment that really changed us. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, uh, Pastor Gail, thank you so much for, for your time today. I appreciate it. Uh, this is a God moment for me. So uh-huh. I'm blessed that we had a chance to be able to connect and talk. You're welcome. It's, it's been a lot of fun. To God be all the glory, great things he has done. Amen. Amen. Thanks again to Pastor Gail for coming on the show today. I really hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. And like I said, I had been thinking about this one for a while, and I'm going to continue to think about those God moments and, and how how I need to just keep my my eyes open and looking and my heart ready for those moments. So uh, yeah, thanks again to, uh, to Gail for coming on. I'll put a link to his website uh, in the show notes and also link out to where you can find his book. And uh, coming up next week, hey, it is Memorial Day. So as is tradition here at Unmasked, we're going to have a solo episode during the holiday week. And next week, I'm going to talk about generosity and being generous, not only just with our time, with our talents, with our resources, but being generous with our thoughts. And that kind of ties into today's episode. So make sure you come back next week for that one. And then we hit June hard with a lot of great interviews. Um, Yeah, we got got a big month of interviews coming up. So I'm excited about uh, where we're headed with this show for the next month. And I'm just so glad that um, you were here this week tuning in. Thank you so much. Be sure if this episode uh, so moved you, please like it, review it, share it with friends and family. And uh, just remember, Jesus didn't come to hang out with the saints and the righteous. He came to hang out with the sick and the sinners of the world, just like you, also very much just like me, not to revel in our sin, but to call us out of it. Have a great week, everybody. Everybody.